Hey everyone, this is Ray Hilbert, your host here at Bottom Line Faith. We hope that during this time of the global pandemic that you and yours are safe and sound. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be presenting to you some of the best of episodes that we have recorded over the last few years here at Bottom Line Faith. We're doing this in order to bring you some of the best high-profile and specialized speakers to help you navigate this crisis in your leadership in the marketplace. We'll be back with you soon with some new episodes of Bottom Line Faith, but for now, we hope and pray that this episode will be of tremendous value to help you live out your faith in the marketplace. And now, the show that bridges the gap between faith and business. Welcome to Bottom Line Faith. On today's show, Ray travels to McKinney, Texas for a conversation with Brian Mosley, president of Right Now Media. As best you know today, lead, serve, you know, contribute in ways that God has equipped you and prepared you to do, and know that you don't have to prove yourself to other people. You, you need to be you know, excellent in what you do, but it's not about you. You just have to take the focus off yourself. And go, it's just not about me. And I think early on in our lives, and even as we get older, it just, it's so easy to make it all about ourselves. Well, hey, everyone, this is Ray Hilbert. I am your host here at Bottom Line Faith, and we would like to welcome you back to another episode of the program where we have conversations with the most amazing Christ followers who are in business and in leadership in the marketplace. And I am really excited. I am in the studios today at Right Now Media. I have the incredible opportunity today to interview the president at Right Now Media, Brian Mosley. Brian, welcome to Bottom Line Faith. Yeah, thanks, Ray. This is awesome. Glad you guys are here. Brian, I've been looking forward to this opportunity for us to have this conversation. A lot of people know about Right Now and Right Now Media and the things that you're doing, but I'm not sure everybody knows the story of how this got started. Why don't you help our audience understand a little bit more about Right Now, how you got started in the story? I think it's fascinating. Yeah, happy to. And and the story of the ministry kind of coincides with a lot of personal stuff as well. So, The ministry's been around for 40 years. Uh, My grandfather was a pastor and really became passionate about world missions and thought, how do I help my church just get more involved in world missions? And um, so he and my dad began traveling the world filming these documentary stories. And this was back in the late 70s. The thought was, again, how do we use the power of the screen, share these stories of missionaries, help our church just get more plugged in, and maybe they'd go, maybe they'd give, maybe they'd pray. The next few years, they began creating more and more of those documentaries, and it turned into a ministry. And so between the late 70s and late 80s, they traveled to 40-some countries filming stories of missionaries. And again, the whole idea was, how do we put the power of those stories on the screen, help the North American church get involved? So that was the very origins of, of the ministry. And then in the late 80s, it transitioned from documentaries to creating like Bible study material that could go right into a church. So that was VHS at that time. And the thought there was, how do you get the power of those stories not on a broadcast screen, but right into a Sunday school class or a small group. And so that kind of started the next chapter of the ministry for many years, then creating and producing a lot of this Bible study content. So our passion as a ministry for years has always been serve the church, create great content, you know, use the power of that screen to help tell stories. And that has continued on up to today, even though it looks a lot different than it did back in the 70s. You grew up in the home of missionaries or pastors, right? Did you ever imagine that this is where you'd find yourself or did you feel this calling from an early age? Help us understand that. When I was growing up, my grandfather was a, had been a pastor and had resigned from that to do the, the documentary ministry for many years. And so I kind of had this church and ministry background through him. And then yeah. I just grew up in the church. My dad was, and my parents for that matter, were just faithful you know, Christians and mm-hmm. brought us to church. And so I, I always was connected to church, connected to my faith. It was probably... 
I guess in late high school where I started to really wonder, of course, you know, what, what's next as I head into college. My other grandfather was an engineer, and so I was decent enough at math, and I thought, oh, maybe I'll go do that. I didn't know what an engineer did, but I just knew that it involved math, and so I kind of explored that. But it was late in high school, I, I had a chance to do a video project in an English class, and that really opened the world uh-huh. up for me. And I thought, oh, I really like, you know, telling these stories, using this equipment, communication, you know, aspect of things. So I just, all of it fell into place, and that's what I knew I wanted to pursue. And you went to a, a fine institution, and you've, I know you're going to want to talk about this. Where'd you go to school here in Texas? Yeah, I went to Baylor University. Yeah. They have a great program for communications. Uh, I had looked at a couple other schools, and and they really had, I mean, faith-driven, but they also had just this hands-on, you know, get to use the gear, get to tell stories, get to really put it into practice early on. And, and so I loved it and, and spent my college career there and uh, really, really felt like I benefited from not only the classes, but just everybody around me. I really love the idea. There was cutting edge mindset back early on about telling these missionary stories. And I I remember as a kid sitting in church and listening to missionary stories, but I I think I would have enjoyed seeing some powerful documentaries more than just hearing the stories, right? But at some point in the not too distant past, you guys really locked in on a business model that really began to scale the organization. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about that, how that kind of came about, and then what day-to-day is like here at Right Now and how you are equipping the church. And then I want to talk about the Right Now Media Work Platform. Sure. So with this history of always trying to serve churches, our thought was, Again, how do you put great content in front of people and help God use that to inspire people to action? Started with documentaries, then went to VHS, eventually DVD. But about six or seven years ago, made the big transition, like a lot of the world, from kind of a physical product to a streaming, you know, digital product. There's good and bad about this analogy. You know, a lot of folks will say it's kind of like Netflix for the church. And mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of not truth to that. But it creates a great picture of just mm-hmm. that model. We're set up as a nonprofit. Those early days when we were doing missionary documentaries, it was all donor-driven. Um, when we started doing VHS and DVD content, it was, you know, we were looking to sustain ourselves financially based off the sales of those resources, and thankfully God provided. And then that, that idea has continued into today where we, we offer a, a subscription, streaming subscription to a church, where they get access to this huge library of video content, and they can then use that, you know, in their homes, and there's Bible study classes, youth ministries, whatever context. Our team is creating a lot of that content. We've also got to partner with a lot of great content creators and put their content into that library so that those churches have access. So, so there's about 17 or so thousand churches that have access to the content. For us, that's, that's a win, you know, is getting to serve the church well. But we're in this weird hybrid of we're, we're still set up as a nonprofit, but we want to run and generate, you know, revenues to sustain what we're doing. And so we try to be really wise with how we're spending the monies and um, investing those into creating, you know, new content, new ways to serve the church. But we, we are not as best we can. We're not looking to go, okay, we're donor-driven. We want to say, no, we want to be self-sufficient in this. Yeah, absolutely. And so at some point then, there really began to get this focus in on the marketplace. And I, I want to talk about the work as worship concept and some of the events that you do, but this really became an organizational passion. How did that come about and what's that all about? I would say about five or six years ago, we really started to kind of open our eyes to there's a lot of folks whose day-to-day you know, lives are spent in the marketplace. And so all their learning about God and who God is and how God you know, manifests in their life, if it doesn't take place in the marketplace, if it's not lived out in the marketplace, then they're really you know, forsaking a big part of their life. We've always had the passion for our content to help people live their faith out. There was certainly, again, from those early days, a lot of focus on the international mission side of things, and we're still passionate about that. But just this realization that, you know, most people aren't waking up today thinking, how do I get to Africa or how do I get to India? But they do want their lives to count. And just started looking around and going, how do we partner with? How do we create content? Who, who's out there already working in this space of 
encouraging and validating those that go to work every day. And so, yeah, we, that you mentioned that idea of work as worship. We, we ended up kind of rallying around this phrase of, well, all of life should be worship, including our work. And we don't often think of that. We usually think of worship as just a music thing. Mm-hmm. And so we thought, gosh, if we can kind of help people frame up this idea that even my work can be an opportunity to worship God, then maybe that gives them a perspective going into work that's different than they've had before. And I'm really excited about that. Obviously, at Truth at Work, that's the space that we're really passionate about in serving Christ followers in business and in leadership. Would you mind maybe taking and giving us just an example or two of the type of content or the type of materials or lessons? Our audience here at Bottom Line Faith are primarily business owners, executives, leaders, and that sort. What kind of content might I find? What kind of help might I find to build my company, help me as a leader, as a Christ follower? So uh, kind of a phrase we've used around here is that not everybody has a pastor, but almost everybody has a boss, right? So mm-hmm. the people in these companies, you're, you know, if a Christian owner leading a company, you look around at your team members, they may not be going to church, they may not have a pastor that they look to for spiritual you know, advice or, or counsel, but you're their boss and you happen to be a Christian. So how do you then influence them for Christ? So we've, we've tried to create content in a couple different areas. Some of that content is um, very much aimed at the you know, workspace. So it's how mm-hmm. to help build solid teams and create a culture there that's not only Christ-honoring, but, but really helps the team itself flourish. And so we've created content with a Patrick Lincioni or some people from Chick-fil-A, some people from Popeye's Chicken, just other great business leaders who have who've lived it and said, here's how to, yeah, practitioners, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Here's how we've done it. Here's ways that in your company, you can help build and, you know, build into the culture. Then there's a lot of content also that is really just aimed at how did you help that person as an individual? You know, their moms, their dads, their husbands, their wives, they, like all of us, they have questions about maybe it's addiction issues or mental health issues or parenting issues. How can you, again, as that Christian business leader, influence them by putting content in front of them that says, look, hey, we all have parenting questions. I want to point you to some resources that may be helpful for you and your spouse. So it really has that kind of better at work and even better at home. How do we help you really live out just being a, a more flourishing you know, person? Yeah. And in full disclosure, I, I want our audience to know we at Truth at Work, we're subscribers. We leverage the content on a regular basis, not only personally, do I do this personally, but also with our members across the country. And that's the finest, finest content. And you don't do it in a, in a a um, second-class way either, right? Could you comment on why such a commitment to excellence? Yeah, thanks for the encouragement, by the way. So we've always felt like there's so much competing with uh, our attention, you know, and so, and, and it's, that was true 40 years ago when we started, it was true 30 years ago, and it's even more true today because we all have these screens in our pocket and these screens all around us, and so everywhere we look, there's the opportunity for us to be kind of distracted by whatever is going on that screen. So we felt like if we're going to put something on that screen, it needs to be worthy of holding their attention. And we certainly believe the content is always worthy of holding their attention because it's usually, you know, biblically based or somebody's story about their faith. But then the question is, well, does the quality of that content also then capture their attention? So we, we try to place a real high emphasis on that. And our team does a great job of that. If you would watch it yourself, that's a good sign, right? So if yeah. you're looking at going, okay, this is something I would watch, then that's a good sign. And at the end of the day, we're representing the Lord, mm-hmm. and uh, we want to do it with excellence. Yeah. And that's that worship, right? I mean, as we yeah. worship through using our gifts and saying, hey, God, this is what you've gifted me with. I yeah. want you to do it to your you know, glory then, yeah, you don't want to ever do that second class, whether it's creating video content or accounting or whatever, you know. What would be the best way, as someone is listening or viewing our conversation, what's the best way for them to learn about right now? Yeah, our website right now, media.org, um, kind of has all the information about how we're serving churches and would link over to how we're serving businesses. That's right now, media. 
Dot org. org. Yeah. So, Brian, thanks for the background, a little bit of the history, a little bit of what uh, what you're doing here at Right Now Media. You got a great organization, beautiful building. God has blessed the organization. I want to do something I know you're not going to be comfortable with. I want to talk about you. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So as you've kind of developed over the course of your leadership, I want to talk about some of the lessons you've learned. I want to talk about maybe some of the mistakes you've made along the way and those sorts of things. So, so kind of growing up, who, who was your like role model? Who, who mentored you? Who, who kind of shaped your worldview on leadership? No doubt. First person that comes to mind is my dad. I've had the privilege of getting to work with my dad for the last 20 years. Of course, obviously growing up in the home before that, you know, you're just always around him. So my dad has been that example for me for my whole life. I think I always, you know, I think back to even like being a student in high school and I think I always kind of sought out older men and just wanted to be around. And, and I don't know if there was necessarily any like formal mentoring program particularly happening, but just organically, I just always wanted to be around these other guys who were a little bit ahead of me in their journey. And so there were definitely other guys, you know, in the youth ministry or church where I grew up, or even when I got to college, certain professors, that I tried to just spend more time around. Mm-hmm. But if I were to look at the long haul, I'd say, yeah, my dad is for sure that person. Could you just maybe share a specific either principle or maybe your dad had a certain saying or a certain way of leadership, but something practical and tactical that continues to influence you today yeah. that you got from your dad? I mean, a couple of kind of little thoughts or, or quips come to mind. Um, he he always would make a big deal about anything. If there was a transition going on, he would say, you know, there's all, this is the biggest opportunity for there to be a mistake, you know, for somebody to get misunderstood or misinformed or misaligned. And so really, 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 if there's a transition in terms of a person moving from a team to team or a new endeavor that's about to happen, over-communicate, over, you know, spend as much time as you feel like is required to really make sure everybody's on the same page. And so I always think about that anytime there's something new to announce or some new thing going on is don't pretend or, th- or think that they all know what going on. I mean, make sure that you've over-communicated in mass and in one-on-one. So, so that's one. And then another little phrase that I remember comes to mind is just to, to inspect what you expect. You know, if you tell your team member, hey, here's what we're expecting to do, then you don't have to go micromanage them, but don't just never go back around and say, hey, did, did, did that get done or did you accomplish that or how did it get, you know, how did it go? I mean, just, just check back in and say, hey, what happened? You know, we were expecting, we talked about this happening. Did it actually happen? And what happened? And if it didn't, why not? And what, what can we do to make sure that it does happen the next time? Those are great insights. Yeah. Fantastic. Tell us a little bit in your role as president here. Is there such thing as a typical day? If so, what's that look like? Or kind of what's the big rocks, the big things that you're responsible for here? Because I want to lead that into some of the other leadership sure. questions. That's a good question. I don't know if there is a typical day. I've thought a lot about, especially in the last probably seven or eight years, just what is my role like compared to maybe other people I know that are in some sort of, you know, leadership or president type role in an organization? And I, I, I sometimes wonder, I don't know if I even feel like I am truly like uh, the business person that some of these other people are. My background's in content creation, and so I come from that perspective, and I've kind of gone to school these last seven or eight years learning what is it like to now run an, organized, run an organization. So I think a typical day for me is spent a lot with with the people on our executive team. I mean, those are the folks that I work most closely with. And so there's one-on-one meetings and kind of regular meetings. And I've, I've not always been best at that. I mean, I'm more of an introverted personality, so I can find myself, you know, it's easy for me to just find myself in my office doing my thing at my computer. And I have to remind myself, you know, it's those people out there that are making things happen. Make sure that you're asking questions, helping them where you can. And so that's where I have to pride myself to get out of my office, you know, and go do that. But my, most of my time is spent trying to engage those folks on our executive team some way, shape, or form. So how would you describe your leadership style then? So I, I am 
highly focused on, I, I see, this, this is the funny thing. And again, I, you, you ask these introspective questions. And so yeah. I don't know if I'm, I'm not like Mr. Sociable. Like I'm not like Mr. Hey, I'm going to small talk you to death, but I'm really, really concerned about the team dynamic. And so I'm always looking to make sure that there's harmony within the team, looking to make sure that people have their questions answered, looking to make sure that people are working well together. And so that I, I would say team and culture, you know, float to the top of the list in terms of the things where I, I spend most of my time or most of my thoughts. And then I would say the other thing stylistically is I'm a big believer in just kind of a consistency. And I think if you create consistency, if you are consistent as a leader and you create consistency for your team, mm-hmm. there's actually a freedom that comes from people knowing kind of the routine and the patterns because then they don't get tripped up on something that surprised them, especially when you have a, a big part of our team is a creative team. you know. And I think with creative folks, there can sometimes be a, a resistance to structure or patterns. But I think when there are an appropriate number of structures and patterns in place, it actually frees them up to be more creative. And that's true, I think, for anybody even not creative. But I think I think... My personality is a pretty consistent, you know, kind of regular type schedule, and I think that bleeds into to the way our team operates. Sounds to me like, and I'm guessing here, you, you would have a real aversion to drama. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the antithesis of routine. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, dra- drama, I, I hope I don't generate drama, and if there's drama <laughs> going on, I, t- I tend to, my temptation is to run from it, although, again, as a leader, I shouldn't run from it. I need to go and try to figure out how to reconcile it as best I can or whatever I'm equipped to do there. Yeah. So, as you think about over the course of your leadership, what, what's maybe though a mistake or mm-hmm. a, a decision that you made that uh, you wish you had done differently? But you know, if you could kind of go back and change something or do something differently, what would that be? I guess you know, probably two things come to mind, and not that these are the only mistakes I've made, but just kind of off the top of my head. One is real um, practical speaking. I mean, years ago when we were printing some books to go along with our resources, I remember. I, I don't know if we were in a hurry or if we, for some reason we just overlooked. We kind of used some filler text on the cover while we were designing it, and then nobody went back. I mean, I say nobody. I didn't go back and look <laughs> and determine, oh, you know what? That was filler text. So went to print, you know, 15,000 units, you know, $30,000, $40,000 later, we get them back, and, I'm, you know, you instantly see it. Oh, that's not the right text on the cover of the whole thing. And, it, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't like the worst thing ever, but it was just a reminder then and a constant um, kind of lesson since then of, again, go back to those processes. Just put some processes in place to make sure that you minimize those kind of errors because that's, that's the silly stuff. And that doesn't, that mm-hmm. doesn't even matter, and yet it does because it's finances and it's a mistake and all that. So that's on the kind of littler side of things. I would say the bigger side is, especially as we've grown a lot in the last several years and our team size has grown and some of the different initiatives we've grown, is, is – for me, I've recognized looking back, there's times where I wasn't as focused on that team health and that team mm-hmm. culture mm-hmm. and just realizing, okay, there's opportunities for me to be more present, more involved, not because I have all the answers, but because if I'm not connected to or aware of what's going on, then I can't ever help somebody when they have a problem coming up. So I, I definitely have recognized over the last few years, again, more of an introverted personality and, and, and a task guy. I mean, if I, I can go knock out tasks like nobody's yeah. business, but sometimes my task needs to be more focused on the, the people, the team, and the culture there. Yeah. And so as you've described yourself, this introverted project process-oriented person, do you struggle with vision? Do you struggle with, I don't want to say being that motivational guy Mm -hmm. or that motivational leader, but like, okay, this is where we're going next. Is that a struggle or how does that work? And I think it's a great question. I've, I've, I've wrestled with that a lot wondering, okay, yeah, where's my giftedness there? Where's my role even there? I think, I think the way I would say it is, I'm definitely not the rah-rah guy. I mean, I'm not going to just be a, a, a flood of great, you know, words and inspiration in front of a team at a meeting. 
my hope is that my kind of the way I'm living or the way I'm, you know, just routinely kind of trying to carry out the mission is, is inspiration. I mean, I, I definitely, we have all team meetings and, you know, I try to mm-hmm. communicate to the whole office and all that, but, but I don't see my strength as that rah-rah person. I try to look for other ways to make sure that vision is cast, you know, and, and again, that's also then relying on team members, you know, and trying to empower them and say, hey, you know, you may be good at this. And even if you're not, frankly, you're the team leader of that team. So you need to be a part of carrying and casting that vision so that it's not all on me. And do you have, I don't need names, of course, but do you have particular leaders on your team that can kind of step in that place because that's maybe their more natural gifting or their style? Is I'm talking about yeah. some more of that, like, energy kind of leadership. Yeah, I think there are some on our team that naturally carry that. Yeah. Um, and, and then there's obviously the balance, too, of even though they are maybe a key and a great leader, they're not the president. And so there's an aspect of, you know, what do they feel comfortable enough trying to carry and also what does the team really respond to, you know? And so I still feel like I bear that burden of that kind of chief communicator, you know, more than anybody else, but I also don't want to be the only singular point of it. You know, as I'm listening to that, as what you're describing for yourself, there's the world kind of sees this certain profile of the rah-rah leader, right? And yet we know when we read in like Collins's work about the the best leaders Mm -hmm. are the ones that are steady, consistent processes and so forth. There's probably someone listening right now who um, maybe wishes they had a different personality, maybe wishes they were more of that rah-rah person. Mm -hmm. Would you just take a moment and offer a word of encouragement to that one person that's like, maybe they're discouraged or whatever, and like, I wish I was more this or less that. What would you say to them? It's so tempting to have kind of what I would call a what-if mindset. You know, what if I was more like? What if I had that? And I've done it, and I still do it. You know, you look at other leaders. I, I think my encouragement would be, I mean, God's created you who you are, you know, you don't have to prove yourself to others and, and you just have to do what God's called you to do. And that's hard. I mean, again, I still wrestle with, okay, where's my role and how am I supposed to, to what, what, what does the team need of me and what am I supposed to do and what am I equipped to do? But I think at the end of the day, and I've read, you know, some, like you said, Collins work, whatever, and it's highly encouraging to me because I'm like, oh, okay, it's actually true that, you know, there are good leaders out there who aren't yeah. just the, the real, you know, boisterous, outgoing, you know, personalities. And those are great reminders. That's, that's where there's just power in stories too, right? I mean, you guys tell stories here through this podcast. We love telling stories. Sometimes when you just tell people stories, you get a little peek into what life is really like. And you go, oh, they are a great leader and they're like me. Or, I don't know, those stories can relate in powerful ways. Well, Brian, I, I really appreciate the fact that you've really, I want to just say, kind of grown comfortable that God has created you as a leader in a certain way and you don't have to try to aspire to be anyone else. And that's an encouragement to any leader, right, who's listening to this. And they don't need to be anyone else, just be the best them that God has created. And so with that as kind of the, the backdrop, I'd like to talk a little bit about the integration of your faith here. Obviously here, this is what you're all about. This is a, that kind of environment. How do you balance where you don't worship the work here, where it becomes the thing, right? And how do you keep that you understand what I'm asking? Yeah. So can you talk yeah. a little bit about that? A couple quick thoughts come to my mind. We, we really try to be careful about not being people's church, you know, and it would be easy or even tempting to be like, hey, we're doing all this Bible study stuff and we're making sure there's this community and this kind of spiritual growth aspect. And, and none of that's bad, obviously. But because we as an organization are so passionate about serving the church, the last thing we want to do is for our own team to feel like, oh, my church is at work and I, don't know, I no longer need to get plugged into a church outside of that. And so in, in some respects, when I hear stories of even other companies and the way they've kind of conducted stuff, I almost feel like we try to lean the other direction that sometimes a, a normal, so, so to speak, company would do it. Because we don't do a lot of Bible studies at lunch. We don't do a lot of, like, worship and prayer times. And maybe we should. I'm not saying that would be bad. I got it. But yep. it's just that idea of, hey, you're, you're here to work, and, and it, it can be worship to be here as work. You know, your actual work can be worship. 
But then we do want you to get out of here on the weekends and the weeknights and go enjoy your family, enjoy church, serve there, you know, get plugged in elsewhere. And then as far as actually worshiping the work itself, we just have to remind ourselves always that it's apart from God, we can do nothing. We want to work hard. We want to work diligently unto the Lord. But at the end of the day, it's not up to us to do what God wants to do through us. And so there's a relief that comes when you know it's not all dependent upon you. Obviously, balance in there. I think God wants us to, again, work hard and work diligently. But at the end of the day, he's going to do what he's going to do. Whether our team succeeds or not, he, he's going to work the way he wants to work. And so there's a freedom that mm-hmm. comes from that. Take some pressure off too, right? Take some pressure off, yeah. That, that really our job is just to get up each day, trust the Lord, do our best, but the results are in his hands yeah. ultimately, yeah. right? Looking back over the course of your life and work and career, what would you do differently? What would you, if you could like hit that rewind button and go back and change, is there anything that comes to mind? I, I think I can... I can, I can answer it kind of two ways. I think I can honestly say when I look back, there's not really anything major that I would change. There's no, there's no major path or choice that would go, oh, wow, that really kind of got things derailed. I look at what God's doing in my life personally, but also just as a ministry, I'm just so thankful for the story that's unfolded. Doesn't mean it's been perfect. Doesn't mean, again, there's not mistake, mistakes, but I, I really am thankful for the way that story has come together. I, I do think, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, just personally and looking at yourself as a leader, I, I think if... If I were to do it all over again, I would emphasize, I would make sure there's a personal emphasis on people earlier on in my kind of career. And just going, okay, make sure you're investing in people, make sure you really are attuned to what, you know, the team and the you know, people around you need or are looking for. I don't think I was ever completely ignoring it. But again, I think personality-wise, it was easier for me to get back folks on a task. And I think at the end of the day, in a leadership role, it's going to be your influence. And the influence only comes through the people that you're working with. So I think if I were to do it again, I would want to make sure that early on in my whether you could go all the way back to college or even just early days working, you'd, you'd say, okay, Brian, be more focused on the people around you and listen and learn and, and just be comfortable with them because that's where it's all going to mm, happen. It really is about people. Yeah. Even in the day of technology, right, and people being connected on social media, at the end of the day, it's still about this, right? Like yeah. You and I, eyeball to eyeball, yeah. flesh to flesh, that's yeah. where real transformation occurs. Yeah and real connection and community. Well, you may have answered the next question in that last question, and so (laughs) we'll we'll see how this goes. But because you talked about if you could go back and do that differently, Mm -hmm. you'd invest more on the people side. But if you could go back, what would be the one piece of advice in your first year Mm -hmm. in your career that you wished you had heard or that you would have known in that first year in your work career? So this may be unique to me, but I think it can potentially apply to some others. So, you know, I, I graduate from Baylor and I start working here uh, at the ministry, which, by the way, was never my plans. I mean, that was, again, growing up, that wasn't where I thought I was going to be. wasn't what I, you know, was in the, the, the calendar for me, so to speak. But through a lot of great events, I mean, God led me here. And so graduated, come here. And so now I'm working in a ministry where my dad is the president. And I put a lot of pressure on myself, especially in those early days of, well, I don't want to be treated certain ways just because I'm Marty's son. I wanted to be my own person with my own productivity and all that. And so I put a lot of pressure on myself to, I think, prove myself to others, which I think can be true even if you don't have that family dynamic. You know, you're starting out, you just think, mm-hmm. oh, i got to prove myself, prove myself, prove myself. Which, again, there's a healthy aspect of wanting to be effective and productive and, you know, contributing to what you're doing. But I think there's also a danger of thinking, again, it's all about me. And, and that, that just becomes a very selfish mindset, right? If I'm proving myself, well, I mean, myself is in that phrase. It's about me. Mm-hmm. And just going, okay, if, again, if I were advising somebody to start off, I'd say, again, as best you know today, lead, serve, contribute in ways that God has equipped you and prepared you to do. And know that you don't have to prove yourself to other people. You, you need to be excellent in what you do, but it's not about you. And so you just have to, it's so hard to not be selfish, but you just have to take the focus off yourself and go, it's just not about me. And I think 
early on in our lives, and even as we get older, it just it's so easy to make it all about ourselves. That is such a deep kind of observation, you know, as I, and here's what I'm processing as I'm listening to that. So the Christian faith is the antithesis of performance. The Christian faith is about trust, it's about grace, it's about mercy, but trusting Christ, right? And not having to do anything to have relationship with Him, it's just in a trusting relationship. Yeah. And yep. yet, in business and in this world's economy, it's all about performance. Mm-hmm. Do you have any words of encouragement on how to address that or balance that out? If I'm a follower of Christ in the marketplace, I'm trying to lead a business, produce results, or I'm working for a boss or whatever, how do I balance those things as a follower of Christ? My best thought would be, it's, it probably boils down our motivations. If our motivation is to lift ourselves up or if it's to make ourselves look better, then we're going to work really hard only to lift ourselves up. And at the end of the day, it may work for a while or it may accomplish some of the goals that we have in mind, but you just see and hear stories time and time again of people who have accomplished great things only to have felt very unfulfilled or unsatisfied because, again, they'd made it all about themselves. So again, a lot easier said than done because we're all tempted to look at ourselves, but I think probably it boils down to motivation. And if we are motivated to work under the Lord, then, man, you want to work with excellence and diligence and work hard, yeah, because you feel like I'm contributing. And that doesn't have to be just in a ministry. I mean, I think if you're in a, a corporate environment and you're thinking, yeah, this is my job, I want to do this job to my, you know, the best of my ability, I believe God will bless me through that, but mm-hmm. it's not just about me, 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 me. I actually think that's, that's very helpful to me. I wrote that down. I think that is a great way. And, and I don't know that it's possible to have a 100% totally pure no, motivation, no yeah. but it's kind of that predominant thing, right? Yeah. And so that's fantastic. Which, again, I you know we keep coming back to this worship, right? I mean, yeah. we can either go to church and, and worship like we typically think and sing songs and think, oh, I like that song. I felt good with that song. But then that's putting emphasis on me. And you can go, well, it doesn't matter what song I sing. The goal here is to worship, right? Every turn, I'm convinced we're tempted to either look at ourselves or look at God, and it's so easy to look at ourselves. And I think the challenge constantly as a Christian is, how do I view God in this situation, this yeah. conversation, this opportunity, whatever it is? Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, Marty's your dad, mm-hmm. right? And is he still involved with the organization here, the ministry? He, he is. I, I have been really thankful with the way that has kind of transitioned. It's been about 10 years now since I've been the president of the ministry. Yeah. He was really intentional bef- years leading up to that to just, again, not a, a structured mentorship, but just a very organic, you know, exposing yeah. me to a lot of leadership. And then over the last 10 years, it really has been a very healthy transition. He's still very much involved, but it's a, a behind-the-scenes role. And so he doesn't make public announcements. Yeah. He doesn't speak to the whole team. He's, he's yeah. here to help and is a big help, but mainly to me and our executive team kind of behind the scenes. And you have four children? I do. Four kids, yep. My wife and I got married uh, right after college. We met in high school, yeah. and now we have four kids. And so in your dreams, you know, God's got plans, and all, but in yeah. your dreams, do you see any of the kids coming along behind you and— it's here. hard not to at least think that, but I tell you, I really have been try, tried to be careful not to put any pressure of them to try to follow sure. in footsteps. Sure. I want them to obviously pursue where God wants them to go, uh, and they're excited about what yeah. you know they know of what happens up here. But that both excites me, but it also scares the pants off me to think about them <laughs> trying to you know. I, I think I think God has done something remarkable. You hear all the statistics. I mean, I guess I'm now technically third generation, and there's not a lot of companies that have a third generation that that continues to under ten percent. Yeah. So to think of it going one more, I just 
fear failure for their sake, if I could be honest with you, you know, and I just don't want that pressure for them. So, um, so that's the, the good answer. news is it's in the Lord's hands, it is. right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Brian, I am so grateful for the time that you've invested. I, I really just have one more main question here, but before I ask that question, tell us one more time, if folks are wanting to learn more about right now media, what's the best way for them to get connected, get plugged in or, yeah. or learn more from a church perspective, right now, media.org is the website they can go to and learn kind of how their church can get plugged in. And if they are a company and they want to have that library of content for their employees, it's right now media at work.org. And so that's just a way for them to learn more yeah. about that. And I'm going to just say again, we at True That Work, we leverage particularly the right now uh, media at work platform. There is tremendous, tremendous content in there. Our businesses use it in their leadership. I'm, I'm thinking of a company that has 2,500 employees, and I was just speaking with them last week, and they were talking about how valuable it has been for their leadership development. And you're not paying me to say that. <laughs> no, I'm really, I, I thank you. <laughs> it, it is true. It yeah. is true. And so we're grateful for the ministry here, just in how you're impacting the local church and businesses and so forth. So thank you and your team. I appreciate that encouragement. Well, Brian, I have one question. That's always my last question, okay? And we've reached that time. It's based out of Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, where Solomon writes, he says, Above all else, guard your heart, for from it flows all of life. And so what I'd like you to do is, uh, we are just talking about your kids, right, and that generational passing and uh, baton and that kind of thing. I want you to imagine that uh, you're at the end of your time, this side of eternity, and you have a chance to gather your family, your friends, maybe your associates here at the ministry right now. And uh, you have a chance to pass along the single most important piece of advice. And I'd like you to pass that along now to our audience. So I want you to fill in the blank for us, okay? okay. Yeah. Above all else. The phrase that we use would be consider others before self and Christ above all. Real simple. Above all else, put others before self and Christ above all. Simple to say, I should say, but hard to do. Um, in everything, in every situation you find yourself in, if you can, through God's power, think of the others around you before you would think of yourself. Again, that temptation to think of ourselves. But then above all else, consider Christ. What, what is Christ and how does he intersect this particular situation? That is really good. That's just another way of saying, seek ye first the kingdom of God, yep. right? Put him yep. above all else, but then place others yeah. and love them. Love your neighbor as yourself. Exactly, yep. Is there anything else you want to share with us today here at Bottom Line Faith? This has been, I'm so grateful, but thank you. This has been so much fun. But anything else you'd want to pass along? No, I mean, I appreciate you wanting to you know, share a little of this story. Um, we're grateful for the work you guys do in serving business leaders and those out there looking to champion faith in the workplace. I, I think these kind of relationships and conversations are fun because it just shows that there are a lot of other folks out there who are passionate about this. And as we link arms, God just works through these kind of partnerships. So I'm grateful for it. And I'm very grateful that you agreed today to be on this side of the camera. <laughs> Yeah, I don't like that, but I, I did it for you, Ray, just for you. So <laughs> Very kind. Yeah. Well, folks, we are concluding our conversation with Brian Mosley here at Right Now Media. We're in McKinney, Texas. If this is your first time tuning into Bottom Line Faith, welcome. We're so glad you've joined us. Hey, go to the website, bottomlinefaith.org. Scroll down to the bottom. You can subscribe, become a regular consumer of the program here on Stitcher, Apple, Google Play, all the normal podcast platforms. You'll find the content there. But I want to ask you for a personal favor. If you would be kind enough and go give a review on the program today, that's what helps to get the word and spread it out across the globe. And we are international with the program. We were just looking at some statistics last week, and we're blown away with what God is doing with the program here at Bottom Line Faith. So tell your friends, tell your family, tell your neighbors. But most of all, faithfully serve God each day in the marketplace. And so until next time, I am your host here at Bottom Line Faith, Ray Hilbert saying so long, and we'll see you soon.
Bottom Line Faith is brought to you by Truth at Work. If you'd like to hear about new episodes or listen to past episodes, visit us online at bottomlinefaith.org. You can also subscribe to the show through Google Play and iTunes. 